It's the Eastern Insider Podcast with your host, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. We hope you are enjoying your Memorial Day Monday with us. I'm Greg Steiner. I'm Alex Jewell. It's usually a day reserved for remembrance, a day that people uh, look back at the sacrifices for those that are not here, that gave up their lives for our freedom and our ability to have days like this. And we certainly appreciate everything they've done to allow Alex and I to be sitting on our comfy couches enjoying a round of golf on this Monday. So, Alex, what do you say about this Memorial Day as you get ready to hit the lakes? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, couldn't have said it any better myself in terms of those that made the ultimate sacrifice for the ideals that so many of us hold and believe in. And, you know, I think it's important to mention, too, though, that, you know, a lot of those individuals' families also go through so much losing their loved ones. So, of course, we'll always remember the, the actual servicemen and women who have fallen in, in the line of duty for us, but also an important day to remember those families as well, because there's so many, you know, mothers and husbands and, and children and moms and dads that uh, their life changes forever and uh, when, when their son or daughter or, or husband or wife doesn't come home. So, um, you know, certainly a day to pay tribute to those individuals as well. And if, if you are one of those families that it's listening, we we can't thank you enough for the sacrifice that your loved one made and, and uh, you know, that you guys have made as well, uh, having to go through that. It's not also of the same degree of sacrifice, but it's also a sacrifice that so many in mid-Michigan right now are going through following the horrific uh, dam collapses around Midland. I know, Alex, it's a, a thing that certainly touches close, near and dear to your heart with your family, having grown up there. Um, give us an update for those that are listening around the world that, that tune into this podcast. How uh, can they help the folks of Midland right now going through what they're going through? Yeah, certainly. I appreciate you bringing it up. I mean, obviously, for, for those that don't know, Midland uh, was hit pretty hard this week as two dams on uh, on lakes just north of the city broke. So the cities of Sanford and Edenville and of course now Midland uh, have been hit with uh, over 20 trillion gallons of water that have raced down through the the rivers and lakes. Uh, So many parts of town under close to 10 feet of water. Luckily that water has started to recede as the weather's gotten better and uh, but unfortunately there's uh, you know thousands of people that were evacuated from their homes and thousands that don't have a home to go back to. I mean I've if you go and search, I mean, I think Midland was one of the top trends in the United States for a couple of days in a row. If you look at just some of the pictures and damage, I mean, there's houses that are just completely gone, uh, really devastating. That, not something you expect to see uh, in your hometown or even kind of in this part of the country until it happens. Um, you know, I don't want to compare it at all, but almost Hurricane Katrina-like in some of the images, which is really scary to think about just a couple hours north of us. So, you know, I think there's lots of things that people can do if they're interested in helping. There's plenty of organizations uh, up in Midland that have started to, you know, whether it's take donations or, or volunteer if you're 
able to do that. I think that's, that's great. I know there's still people actually through today and, and through this next couple of weeks until they can, there's still people being sheltered at the, one of the local high schools and, and all of the above. So, uh, you know, just stay tuned. I think it's important to, uh, to kind of lend our, at least our thoughts up there. I mean, it certainly hits home for me. Luckily, uh, my family wasn't indirectly affected. We got kind of lucky there. My aunt and uncle do live on one of the lakes, so they're, they're now living on a beach. <laughs> um, but uh, certainly a lot of historic devastation and hopefully something that uh, we'll be able to be remedied. No, you're uh, undertaking a noble cause, working on a GoFundMe effort. We'll have more details on that as it becomes available and certainly pass that along for people who are interested in trying to donate and give back uh, to the Midland and mid-Michigan communities. So, Alex, uh, we, our thoughts go out to you and your family. And again, congratulations on, on all the efforts that you've brought to, to bring uh, notoriety and, and help to that area. So uh, we've started off with the, the podcast with, with a couple deeper issues, but now let's kind of pivot back to, to the week that was in EMU athletics because there were some good news moments that came out of the week. Alex, you look at it, the, on the gymnastics side, Emily Dombronics was named COSIDA Academic All-District, the women's at-large team. So a senior on the gymnastics team was able to, to get some notoriety. We also had the APR scores come out around the NCAA. You know what? Eastern passed with flying colors. Eight of the sports posted scores equal to or better than a year ago, including a bunch of sports, baseball, men's golf, women's cross country, women's golf, gymnastics, and volleyball, all earning perfect 1,000 single-year APR rates. So congratulations to those teams that have represented themselves so well, both on and off the course. Education first, more than just a motto at Eastern, and the way the academics have gone really this last stretch of years certainly proves that. And really good, positive, uplifting news in a time where a lot of uh, other schools aren't able to necessarily dish out as much good news as we are. We're so lucky that uh, our teams have not only, you know, been able to, uh, you know, stay intact during all of this, but then to see numbers like this. And then, uh, of course, some individual recognition as well with uh, athletes like Emily Dubronics. Very, very uplifting and great news and just proud of uh, all of our student athletes. It takes a lot to to uh, be successful in the classroom and to see Eastern do it continually. And so many programs continue to put up their best ever semesters and even full years. So really incredible news uh, in terms of academics. And we're working on the GPA side of things as well. Some good news coming out as it's trickling out. We've seen some teams announce their GPAs for the winter semester as well. We're waiting as an athletic department for an overall release, but uh, mark your calendars coming up soon for some really good news on the academic front. Uh, this week's show, uh, we have some really good news as well, because usually uh, it's Alex and I tag team somebody. Instead, it's brother-on-brother brother action this week. It's Carl and Charles Thomas, our show this week, as they come to us from the steel city of Pittsburgh, where they're both assistant coaches at Duquesne, uh, late uh, formerly of uh, Akron for coaching for a little while under Keith Dambrot. They brought some MAC championships, but they brought Sweet 16 and two MAC championships to Eastern Michigan. Well, for those that follow Eastern Michigan basketball or think of kind of that golden era of, you know, really EMU athletics on, on campus, 
Charles, Carl and Charles Thomas are certainly at the forefront of that with men's basketball. Of course, two of the, the great players that played in the 90s and uh, under coach Ben Braun, like you said, Greg, led to two MAC championships, a trip to the Sweet 16. And just to hear them talk about the relationship that they have with each other, that they've had, you know, for all the time growing up and now into their careers and, and tell some stories about how that led to such success at Eastern. And then, you know, they tell some really good off the court stories as well about Ben Braun, uh, our, of course, our famous head coach. And then, you know, just some other, th other things too, that really uh, made it a great conversation and two guys that really know the game of basketball, but also really know the game of life. You can just tell, and uh, certainly a great interview with those two. And they are passionate. They bleed green and white to the nth degree. You can hear it in their voice. They still have roots around the Ypsilanti community and come back often follow EMU basketball. I know one of the comments that they provide us as we headed off air was just how much they still tune into our ESPN shows. Uh, so that was kind of a fun thing. And I've actually gotten texts from both of them already this morning, uh, just wishing me a happy holiday. So that tells you what kind of class guys they are as well. So a, a fun show uh, and a way to kick off your holiday. Usually Alex and I are coming to you around five o'clock. Instead, as Alan Jackson would say, it's five o'clock somewhere. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. When you think of 1990s basketball, you think of a lot of different things with Eastern Michigan. One of them was a trip to the Sweet 16 and two guys that made a large impact and a reason that Eastern was able to go the longest it ever had, winning two NCAA tournament games and a pair of Mid-American Conference championships. We're joined alongside Carl and Charles Thomas. Guys, first off, welcome. Thanks for, for coming in. How is uh, containment life treating you guys? Charles, you can go first. You always go first, Charles. So I was gonna say, go ahead, man. You always go first. I think I think for me, Greg, it's been it's been pretty cool. Uh, obviously, you know everybody's going stir crazy in the country, but for me, uh, my family didn't come to Pittsburgh with me to Duquesne. So uh, the last you know six weeks, seven weeks, I've been home and I've spent a lot of time with my wife and and uh, you know my grandson. I have a two-year-old grandson um, for my younger son Brandon. Uh, so. It's been pretty good for me with this time off. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. Let Charles back in here. But you, you look at, at what you guys were able to do. I, I don't know too many people know the story on, on Coach Braun and how he convinced you to, to come to Eastern Michigan. But when you think back, what, what led you to becoming uh, EMU basketball players? Well, for me, I, I think that uh, I actually made a decision first. Uh, we were sitting around and we came to a couple of games and, and uh, staff did a good job recruit, recruiting Charles and I and, and saying that we, you know, it'd be nice for us to play together. We didn't have to come to school together, but it'd been nice if, if they would like to take us both. And I just liked the, uh, the style of play that Eastern was playing at the time. Um, as a shooter, they run off a lot of, lot of, lot of shooters off a lot of screens, Brad Susi, uh, Darren Goheen, those guys. So I thought, you know what, I fit in that system pretty good. Um, so I actually told my brother and I told my dad, I said, you know what, I, I like what they're doing there. And 
it didn't really matter that they weren't on the map, so to speak. I just thought I could play in their system and play right away. And, and I told Charles, like, I want to go to Eastern Michigan. Charles, what kind of posed the question of just what was it like uh, deciding to make the trip to come to Eastern? I mean, I know it's going to be a lot of redundancy probably here, but pretty much like Carl said, he was actually, though, after watching them, um, I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been Toledo, um, Bowling Green, somebody. And I, I elbowed Carl. I said, Carl, man, we could play here with these guys. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, no disrespect to the guys. Like, you know, Darren Goheen was a great shooter at Eastern Michigan. And he ended up staying. Um, we saw a guy like Rick Hardesty and a couple other guys. And I was like, Carl, like, I mean, they're small. They're not that quick. Like, we can definitely come here and play. Um, so I still wasn't sure, though. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, I would say the bad word, Central Michigan. I was thinking about them. And uh, Carl made that decision to go. We talked to our dad. And uh, dad was kind of like, hey, instead of going to the same conference, just think about this. Instead of going to the same conference and be on different teams, how about going to a team um, together? And you guys know each other so well, and you can probably make that 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 organization pretty good um, and maybe do some special things. And, you know, he never pushed us either way. He just made that suggestion to us. And then Carl never even told me he was going to commit to Eastern Michigan. And kind of was like, dang, well, what do I do? And I think come to, a little bit out of emotion, um, a little bit out of thinking what my dad was saying, I, I decided to go to EMU as well with Carl. But Carl was the first one to really start it off. They recruited both of us. They didn't want one or the other. They wanted us both, which was, which was a great thing. And I uh, kind of followed Carl's lead after, after he made that decision. I also think that my, my parents wanted to – didn't want to drive around the country a lot. They wanted to go to one spot. So when I, once I said, yeah, I think my dad kind of nudged Charles and made it made him think really strong and hard about going to school together. So I think they only wanted to travel to one spot. <laughs> that made it easy for sure. <laughs> well, we, we certainly thank your dad for that suggestion because it worked out pretty well for us here at Eastern Michigan. And like your dad said, you had a chance to do something special, and you guys certainly did that both as a team and individually, both of you still up and down the record books at Eastern Michigan. When you look back at it now, what was it like, you know, making those runs, not only as individuals, but getting to do it alongside each other as brothers. And then now in your adulthood, as you're able to come back together and coach together, how special has that been for each of you? Well, I know that, that uh, we coming in, I think we said it at, a, at an interview on the very end of the season, uh, that it was special because we got to come in together and play and, and came in as champions, as freshmen. Um, and and by, by our senior year, we left um, as freshmen and went to the Sweet 16. So uh, as, that, as, as far as basketball goes in that aspect, I mean, we, we made the right decision uh, as far as playing together because we got to enjoy that with each other. It wasn't only on the phone and, hey, Charles, this is what I'm doing. Uh, to experience that somebody that you've been so close to and been with your whole life um, was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. We had our times of being brothers where you get in some arguments and things like that, that Ben Braun, you know, was, was created with some conditioning drills, I'd just say, if we, uh, if we continue to argue. But, um, you know, no, playing with my brother, like you said, he made me better and I made him better. We pushed each other. So it, it was cool to go to school with Charles. Yeah, I, it, again, it was, uh, it was something you can't even write. You can't even write a story about it, really. I mean, I know we're talking about it now, so the story can be written. And there was a pretty good article about us, you know, in the, in the Pittsburgh paper today about, you know, some of the things like that for us being in the NBA and coming out of Eastern Michigan and stuff like that. But you just, it's something that you just dream about. You don't think will ever happen. Um, and to, to go with Carl and do those things with Carl and to share those things at the same time, um, 
is something that we'll treasure. I know it's something that my parents will treasure um, until we're no longer on this earth anymore. And as far as working together, it's, it's, <laughs> it was, it's been trying like it was when we were um, players at first, but I've learned so much more about Carl as a, as a, as a coach in this profession that we're in right now. Um, that's unbelievable. He's more detailed than I, than I ever imagined. Um, he's more versed on a lot of things that I can ever imagine because all we talk about was basketball when we played. Uh, X's and O's we did a little bit, but to actually see it every single day, day to day, it helped me with my scouts and things like that. Like Carl's basketball mind is, 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 is really, really good, and that's the biggest takeaway I've gotten from these last three years of working with him is just that, you know, my dad taught us well, and, and what we both happened to listen, and it's, a, it's just an amazing thing working with Carl. I mean, Greg, I want to jump on that as well. Sure, go right ahead. Alex said I didn't finish the whole thing, but working with Charles, I would say the same thing. He's a he's a tireless recruiter. You know, he's he's gone a lot, and I think that it helps me being there for Dan Brock because they get to see one of our faces all the time. But I uh, I didn't realize I know he likes to talk, so that helps him in recruiting. But I didn't realize how how uh, uh, how strong he really was in you know at Akron until I got to work with him the last three years. He's a tireless recruiter. He's on the road a lot. He's built a lot of contacts. Uh, um, so that part of it, I knew he would do well because of his ability to talk, but not to the point the relationship building that he's made in the last 10 years as being a coach. So I, I, I respect it a lot more once I got to be with him. I know, Carl, I didn't ask you a whole lot when we worked together when you were on staff, but the 1991 season, when you guys think back to that, what stands out the most? I'm reading through making some of these articles and, and Charles, one of the things that one of the newspapers said in the Mississippi State game said, with a minute to go, you walked down press row and asked the media, you think we'll get some respect now after you <laughs> knocked off Mississippi State? And then two days later, you set your brother up for a, 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 you two have the winning baskets against Penn State in overtime. What, what stands out to most of you about winning those games and being as good as Eastern was in that time? Um, I just, for, just for me, as far as about what I said, that's one thing I love. He's smiling right now. He loved, he loved it a lot. <laughs> Take him right back. <laughs> one thing I never lacked for is, is, is confidence in my ability. And at that time, um, our abilities at Eastern Michigan, uh, Coach Braun had us really prepared. And I, I just knew – that now at that moment, like the world can see and the, the country can see, not the world, but the country can see that those guys, you know, from little small Bowen Fieldhouse could actually play. So when I made that comment, it was just the, it's just the, the real feeling and just emotion, raw emotion that came out of me. And it was, I can't remember what reporter it was from Michigan that was sitting on the, on the sideline, but a lot of reporters heard me. And I, I did what I said. It probably came out kind of, kind of, kind of brash. But it was like, man, is somebody ever going to give us some respect now? Because we've beaten some pretty good teams. And that Mississippi State team that we beat actually beat LSU with me. has Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul, Abdul Raouf, Stanley Roberts, and a guy named Shaquille O'Neal. They beat them three times that year. We beat that team by 20. So in my mind, it's like, can we get some respect now? Because we just beat a team that won the SEC. And, and as far as, like, um, the next game, I, I didn't realize until you just said that, that Okay, Carl made the pass for the go-ahead, I mean, for the to seal the win to Roger Lewis. I didn't realize when Lorenzo's shot got blocked and I picked it up and laid it in that that kind of was like the go-ahead basket that, that kind of put us ahead to stay. Um, so to know I did that, like, I was just in the moment playing. I had no idea. Normally I do. 
you know, with, with, with time and situation, but we're just out there hooping, having fun, man. Like to get a chance to go to the Sweet 16 and to be on that biggest stage in, the Syrac in, in Syracuse and the Caridome, if you don't take advantage of that and just relish in that and just live in that moment, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what's wrong with it. So that's all I was pretty much doing when I was talking like that and I was playing like that. I just didn't realize what I was doing. I was just doing it. Charles said we were, we were, he was a confident uh, player at the time and he always has his confidence. But I, I was talking to, you know, uh, some people the other day about that run and it's going to the Sweet 16. And if you look at it at that time, you know, Greg, we had all, a lot of seniors. You know, we had four seniors on the floor starting uh, with Corey Hallis as, as, as a junior who played a ton of minutes at that point. And then Roger Lewis as a sixth man was a senior. So, you know, I don't, I don't think we stepped on that stage being afraid, not because we had been there before. Um, myself, Lorenzo, and Charles, and even Pete Pangus, who was a, a redshirt junior on that, on that squad as well. We were just, we were just older. You know, there's, there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores do things now. We were all seniors, 21, 22-year-old seniors. And I think uh, having that age and that experience of being through college basketball helped us uh, in that run. Um, so I, I don't really think about that until you look at, you know, coaching basketball now and you got so many guys leaving early. And But, no, we were, we were a group that had been together and we were older. I think that helped us. Charles, you know, you just talked about it. Making that run, you know, one place you, you spent half your time getting, getting to the NCAA tournament is inside Bowen Fieldhouse and, of course, being coached by Ben Braun. So maybe, Charles, if you want to just really quick talk about what Bowen Fieldhouse meant to you guys in that atmosphere. And, and Carl, talk about Coach Braun for a few seconds and, and kind of what he brought to the table and, and did for your group. Bowen Fieldhouse was <laughs> – when you first walk in, you're like, Man, this is my home gym. I mean, the first two years we were there, um, the baskets hung from the, the, the rafters. Like, it wasn't until Grant Long, who's one other than Earl Boykins and George Gerber's probably one of the most decorated EMU professionals to come out of, come out of the, the university. He donated some, you know, baskets to us that were actually, you know, the real ones that sit on the ground and, and they don't hang from the ceiling. So just the uniqueness of that place. Um, I remember how loud it used to get especially our senior year. Um, I, we watched old videos, like we played Bowling Green. We came, from, we came from 17 points down, and you're watching film the next day, and the whole film is shaking, the whole screen is shaking like that because the, because the gym was just going nuts. Um, the, our football team used to sit in the, in the left corner right across from the, the visitor's bench, giving the visiting team grief all the time and just making good plays. And I would always find my boys over there in the football team and, and make eye-to-eye contact with them. It was just – it was such a good atmosphere because guys were right there on you. And then once we started winning, it, it just got even better. And I think people weren't ready for that when they came in because when you came into Bowen Field, I should like, all right, this isn't too modern. Like, this isn't. But for us, it was the best the thing barn. ever. We loved to play in the barn. Yeah, we loved to play in the barn, didn't we? My, 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 I have one quick one about, about, about Eastern. And it's actually when I was, you know, Greg, working with you, walk over to Bowen Hill Fieldhouse. We take, you know, young men on campus tours and visits. And I loved going by Bowen Fieldhouse and talking about it. That's one of the main things I liked on my tour. And it, it sounds funny, but just walking in through that tunnel again to the track and the smell of Bowen Fieldhouse. Yeah, it's got a smell you can't beat at Bowen. Took me, just... took me back to, not a bad one, but just the, the distinct smell I had about running through that tunnel. Um, to be back to every time I played there, we ran through there and having games in there. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's like Greg said, it's, it's a pretty distinct thing, smell, 
not that it's crazy and it'll drive you nuts, but just it just took me back and always did for the six years I worked there about about playing that in that in that in that gymnasium. But uh, Ben Braun, Ben, I mean, we don't have enough time for the Ben Braun stories, man. There's there's, there's a whole lot. Uh, one was in Bourne Fieldhouse. I got two that 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 stand out to me. One was in Bourne Fieldhouse, and this is you know when we started getting respect uh, as as a team. Um, there's so much going on in Bourne Fieldhouse. Track was playing, going on. Baseball might have been going on the side. You know, uh, we're trying to practice. And I remember they were doing a pole vault pit was right next to the court. Literally, like, you could, like, step off the court and lay on the mat. That's how close it was. And and, and uh, one time a pole vaulter went up. I was actually standing in the corner. Um, and the pole vault went up, dropped his pole, and it almost hit me in the head. And Ben, we couldn't change our practice time. Ben went crazy and everything. And, and he's like, we don't get a net up around this gym to protect my players. There's going to be some problems. And sure enough, two days later, there's a net around the gym. And Ben got that done. But again, we had won, won, won the, uh, in the first time of MAC title. Ben had a little, we started to win a little bit more. We had a home win streak record, I think, of what, Charles, like 22 games in a row, 23 games in a row. So, we started getting some respect, and that's one of the things I remember is Ben was like, we are not practicing again unless we get that net up, and the net was up two days later. So that was one thing about Ben. That was fun. I remember um, that. Another thing is about him always being in shape. He doesn't look like a guy is athletic, but he's in the, probably the best shape of any coach I've been around. I mean, he's an avid runner, tennis player, and all that stuff. So we would have runs, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. runs, and Ben would run with us on Friday, Friday mornings. And one particular time, he thought we were dogging it. So he said, I'm running with you guys today. We were almost up to the University of Michigan and back. And he took off and we're like, ah, uh, whatever. We're just, you know, he just, he's probably going to cheat somewhere and, 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 and get in the car and come back. And he ran the whole thing. And we got maybe like a half a mile left to go. And we couldn't see Coach anywhere. Like, where did the guy go? He, had, he got in the car somewhere. He was waiting in the bushes to scare everybody and say we weren't running hard enough and the old man should not be beating them. The old man, he was like 36, 37 years old, but he beat the whole team. Even Lorenzo Neely was a great cross-country runner. He beat us every Friday morning, and he let us know about it every single time that he was in better shape than us. So, uh, But he was an avid, avid tennis player and runner, and it wasn't surprising that looking back now, but at then you're 18, 19 years old. This old guy's not supposed to beat you, and he did every time. He made he a couple was, guys turn around and run back the other way. They never finished the – they never finished the run because they got so – it was Roger Lewis. Yeah. Turn around and ran the other way, and we couldn't find him until we got back to the, to the field house because he, he wasn't going to continue to go that way because he got so scared. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Remember, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or emueagles.com. Until next week, stay safe.